Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast has a Patreon page. Several wonderful people have signed up to support this endeavor. They are Sean Poole, Dave and Jennifer Evers, Jeff Omar, my John Hyatt sister Sylvan, Liz Brunson, Yetta, Steve Vansack, Randy Brown, Rob Barnett, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, Chris Bloom, Dale Hosack, Music Talks Terry Smith, and Mary Thomas. I appreciate all the love and support from these wonderful friends. If you want to support the podcast and get unedited episodes, often in video, Occasional posts from me about a wide range of subjects. A thank you on at least one episode a month. Plus a handwritten thank you note that includes set listing through stickers. Then please go to patreon.com set lusting Bruce. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash set and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Now, on with the show. The music was always part of the background. And I was the youngest of four kids. And all five of us, all four of us were born in five years. So my older siblings of course had a bearing on what music I listened to. So once I hit my preteen teen years, I was listening to what they were listening to, which was what we call now classic rock, but then it was just rock. And WMMR WISP had all the great musicians on at the time. And I was fortunate enough at 15 to see my first Springsteen show. And it was my very first concert as well. And 
at the Spectrum in Philly. You couldn't have asked for a better <laughs> moment in my life. And from the first song, which was Thunder Road till the final song, it was just the most amazing experience of my life. The thing for me about music is I'm often grabbed by the sound initially. I love the sound. There's a certain sound that I like. And once I've got the sound that I like, so I pretty much immediately know if I like a song. And then it's, I go to the lyrics because it's very important for me. It's all about the story and the telling of a story, which of course Bruce is wonderful at. So he played me that and I listened to, to Blinded by the Line. I loved it. And then Growing Up came on, which is one of my favourite songs ever. And it's amazing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today are friends from across the pond, two of the most active online Springsteen fans. I have Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey, how are you? And Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey, Jesse. How are you doing? I am excited to visit with you guys. We've shared a little bit about Paul is in mourning. So be a little in his sports heart is mourning. So we're going to be a little bit kind to him. Kim still has hope in her heart for her Phillies. And I've decided that my Rangers, I'm going to watch tonight, but I have no hope left. So that's catching up on our pre-show discussion. Uh, Welcome, guys. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Let's. I always used to. I often like to start at the beginning where what kind of music you grew up with as a kid, and I'm going to get there. But I got to start with how did this online friendship group that you guys are part of start? And whoever wants to take it first, and then we'll go to the other one. Ladies Uh, first. Okay. I guess my friendship with Paul started early this tour. Paul wasn't an online Twitter user until this tour, so we didn't know one another. And my two original shows this tour were in March, and the tour went off to Europe, and I had recently lost a family member and who was very special to me, who was born and raised in Dublin. And when the show went to Dublin, I sent out a request to my friends that if somebody was in Dublin to raise a glass and during I'll See You In My Dreams, which I actually quoted in my aunt's eulogy to raise a glass and send a cheer and a hello darling to my aunt Lucy during the song. And Paul and several other friends said that they would do it. And thankfully they did and recorded it and sent it to me. And, and I was so appreciative. And not only did it did Paul start dedicating I'll See You In My Dreams to Aunt Lucy at that show, but he did it at every consecutive show that he attended. And we just really struck up a friendship because that started us communicating and we had so many common 
elements to our boss story and when we became fans, the songs that we liked, the songs that we wanted to see, our families, there's just so much that we shared and a friendship grew. And from that, we had mutual friends online. And so we grew a group of friends. (laughs) And so now we have, I would say, a chat group. And Paul took that chat group to the next level. Paul, take it from there. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, so Twitter, social media for me, Jesse was not something that I had any interest in and still really don't. And I didn't realize there was this whole Bruce world out there that, that existed that I had never encroached upon. I'd never seen, never been part of. Bruce was my thing and I loved him and it was something that I had for me, but I didn't share it per se with necessarily with thousands or hundreds or whatever people and anyway and, and and I didn't do Twitter at all either but it happened that a few years ago my my son didn't have his phone for the day he couldn't do without having Twitter so he put it on my phone and I never used it and then I think once through my soccer team or football team that I love there was a great article a journalist I knew put an article on it I happened to see it I thought I was sending a Twitter to her personally actually it was to the whole world so I had no idea how to use this thing and but I was as we were getting tickets last year and coming in, I, I wanted I was following the set list and I was following Twitter. And I noticed as well a, a few years ago, there was an article on Springsteen that came up one day. I just happened to look one day. I thought, wow, I'd never have known that existed or would have read that article if it hadn't been for Twitter. So I thought when the concert tour starts, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to follow it and see what's going on. So I was religiously following the set, see what was going on, et cetera, et cetera. And Kim and I started chatting away a little bit. And as Kim said, the, the the Aunt Lucy thing came along and then I started recording and all the stuff that I was doing. Anyway, I think what happened was that the MetLife weekend for me, the first and the third, when I flew over to the States to see the concert, we did. We all decided, a few of us decided that we were going to have this day in Asbury Park. And so on the Saturday, we all met up for lunch and spent hours chatting. And it was what was amazing about it was that we spent hours chatting and didn't even talk about Bruce. It was incredible. And we were chatting and chatting. And then we started wandering around. We kept bumping into people that we knew, which was very funny, all from Twitter, none of whom we'd met before. And we went to Clinch's Gallery. And, and then in the evening, we went to The Pony and we went to see Southside Johnny. And then we bumped into Howie, for example, Spring Nuts and a few others. And it was just a great day. And I said to the guys, I said, have you heard of this thing called WhatsApp? And they were like, no, what's WhatsApp? And I said, well, it's a messaging service that we all use in Europe. It's something that doesn't cost any money and it's great. And we just thought, you know what? We wanted to stay in closer contact and we just set up this group and it's just gone from there. And there's, we all talk online, but we also talk offline now much more. And there's just a number of us and we just all share the same passion, that passion being Bruce. And we've got to know each other. And now we have other passions that we share as well. I thank you for sharing that story. I love it for a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm often asked, really, you've done over a thousand episodes talking to Springsteen fans. And I'm always quick to tell that I do other episodes too, from people who aren't Bruce fans that are just passionate about other musicians or passionate about their projects. But the bulk of it are Springsteen fans. And I go, yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of us and there's a lot of passion about it. And there is a sense of of companionship because 99%, if I'm being, I think, generous, are pretty decent people, 
right? There, that it, it, it is hard to find a jerk that's a Springsteen fan. Now they're out there. There's a couple that I've had to not engage with anymore because they're obsessed with tracks two or something. And and even during our discussion and about when we're unhappy about something, we tend to be pretty polite to each other. So I love that this friendship that's connected, I have the same thing. I have dozens, easy, and probably up to 100 of people that I consider friends that I've never met in person. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Paul, I want to start. I'm going to, can you remember when you first discovered Bruce and what about him spoke to you? And Kim, I'm going to ask you next. Okay. Yes. Look, I'd heard of him, Jesse, in the 70s. Sure. There was this thing that was coming out of the States. And I, I had a, a very varied music taste, eclectic, loved so much different music and always was very keen to discover new music mm. as i often did i would go to concerts not knowing the band but having heard of them just to see what the music was like so i think pretty much when born to run came out i'd heard a little bit of it but i didn't sure. really know it. i wasn't following him it wasn't the music at the time that i was really listening to and i have to say that when bruce isn't in concert whatever i, I my, my taste as i say is so varied that i listen to a lot of different stuff as i said very varied but it was around I think it was around the summer of 79 
It was about a year before The River came out. And I went over to, to a friend of mine, a, a newish friend of mine, someone I'd met recently, who I was getting on. And we discovered that we had this great passion for, for music. And he, he, we went over, one, I was there one afternoon. He said, have you heard about this guy called Bruce Springsteen? I said, well, yeah, I, I've heard about him. I haven't really heard his music. So he said, how long have you got? I said, well, I don't know, a couple of hours. He said, why don't we listen to some Springsteen? So I said, fine, sounds good to me. So he, he basically, he put on greetings from Asbury Park. And as Kim will tell you, anything that's written in 73 or before, I love, okay? Doesn't matter when it's Bruce, 73 and before, you put that moniker on it, I'm okay. Okay, I love it. So he put Aspie Park, he put Greetings from Aspie Park on and Blinded by the Light came on. And I'm like, wait a minute, Blinded by the Light? This is a Manfred Band song. This isn't a Springsteen song. He said, no, this is a Springsteen song. He wrote it. And obviously Manfred Mann covered it, had a massive hit. I said, you're joking, really? And he said, yep. I said, wow. So I listened to it. Madman, drummers, bummers, Indians in the summer with a teenage diplomat. And I'm like, what are these lyrics? It's hilarious. And the thing for me about music is I'm often grabbed by the sound initially. I love the sound. There's a certain sound that I like. And once I've got the sound that I like, so I pretty much immediately know if I like a song. And then it's, I go to the lyrics because it's very important for me. It's all about the story and the telling of a story, which of course Bruce is wonderful at. So he played me that and I listened to To Blinded by the Line. I loved it. And then Growing Up came on, which is one of my favorite songs ever. And it's amazing. And then Mary Queen of Arkansas, which was a little bit left field. And I was like, okay, it's interesting, whatever. And then Does This Bus Stop came on at 82nd Street. And again, hey, bus driver, keep the change. Bless the children, give them names. It was just these lyrics, which is bizarre and I was like wow what is this I've never heard anything like it so I listened to the album listened through loved it I said what else have you got so he said how about Wild Innocent and East Street Shuffle said yep give me some of that please straight away so I he put that on and then I heard Kitty's Back and my story about Kitty's Back is maybe for later but I heard East Street Shuffle and Kitty's Back and then I heard the second side and Incident Rosie and Serenade I just listened to them I was like oh my god who is this guy? Who is this guy? And and we got through that. And then I listened to Born to Run and I was hooked, literally hooked straight away. And then I, I didn't get darkness for a while. It was it was a little bleak for me initially um, because I was listening to this music initially, which was like, I know what the lyrics were saying, but as I got to understand the lyrics, the whole sort of Bruce theme, but ultimately it was just a bit dark. And then I think it was when I went to see my first gig in 81 that I really got it. But yeah, that was it. So it was around 79 and I was hooked pretty much straight away as a result. That's a good friend that, okay, hey, let's start from the beginning. That I'm jealous of that afternoon, right? Because we can't <laughs> go back and do that, right? But that's, you, you want to go back to young Paul and go, boy, you're just about to get it. That's great. How about it's you, that blank, It's that blank page thing, Jesse, goes on about the blank page. It was the yes. young, and it was what's always great when I hear a song, when you hear something you like immediately, I'm one of those people, I'm all or nothing, you know? So if I like something, I want to know all about it. If I don't like something, I don't want to know anything about it. Sure. Just I just heard this and I just wanted to feast on his music. It was just like, wow, amazing. That's awesome. Kim, how about you? Can you remember? Not the very first time I heard him. Because I grew up in Philly, south of Philly, so I had the wonderful experience of having Philly radio stations playing him from the time that I started listening. So I don't recall the moment that he was on the air. He was always part of the background of my life. So, so what? What I no, sorry to interrupt you, but what I often okay. say to 
someone from that East Coast mm -hmm. that me asking that question is like asking, when did you find out your parents used Tide so detergent? It was just always there. Yeah, but I can tell you the moment that I was indoctrinated into the world. Yeah. <laughs> the music was always part of the background. And I was the youngest of four kids and all five of us, I, all four of us were born in five years. So my older siblings, of course, had a bearing on what music I listened to. So once I hit my preteen, teen years, I was listening to what they were listening to, which was what we call now classic rock, but then it was just rock. And WMMR, WYSP had all the great musicians on at the time. And I was fortunate enough at 15 to see my first Springsteen show. And it was my very first concert as well. And at the Spectrum in Philly, you couldn't have asked for a better <laughs> moment in my life. And from the first song, which was Thunder Road till the final song, it was just the most amazing experience of my life. And I walked out a mega fan and I have not turned back. I have been just enamored by him and wait on the internet of my persona has been this way since I was 15. <laughs> do, do you, can you, it just spoke to you seeing him live. It just yes. spoke to your soul. Yeah, it really did. Seeing him live was, and the crowd being with the crowd. I think the very first song when the crowd sang the words with him, the stage show, the performance that he put on, being my first concert and being blown away. I remember when he played Trapped and just being like mind blown. Like that was like, wow, that is crazy. And just having a three hour, three and a half hour experience of, I, I don't know, it cost $12 and I got all of this. This was amazing. And I couldn't wait to do it again. And I was so young and no money, but really, how am I going to do it? What am I going to do? Yeah. It was always so difficult coming from very meager <laughs> means for somebody my age to save up money for the next concert, which wasn't until born in the USA. I, I couldn't, I couldn't wait. I just couldn't wait. And then once I saw the, I think four shows during the born, born in the USA, I, I wanted to share it with everyone I knew. I'm like, you have to come with me. <laughs> yeah. I even drug my mom. Like, you have to come with me. You have to understand what is happening. Um, and my, my closest sibling, my brother is also, uh, and my sister above him, you know, we're yeah. all fans. My oldest brother is a deadhead. And so he's the only one that diverted. <laughs> he's the black sheep of the family. He's the black sheep. So I've often said, I think there's two kinds of people. The people that go to their first Bruce show that go, wow, that was long. And yeah. then the other people that go, oh my God. When can I do this again? Yeah, it's and, euphoric. It's just the yeah. most amazing experience. Yeah, and 2002 was my first show. So I did not, I was late. I always knew Bruce. I remember I bought The River and I, I was a casual fan. And and 
if you had asked, are you a fan of Bruce Springsteen? I said, oh, absolutely. But was a casual fan at best. And then the rising made a difference. And then seeing him live in 2002 changed it to, oh, no, I wasn't a fan before. Now I'm a fan. So I always like to preface this, Kim, with the amount of times you've seen Bruce live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. There are people that, because of their circumstances, where they grew up, where they lived, are able to see him multiple times. And there's people that are passionate fans Mm -hmm. that just have never seen him live even once. But for the record, do you count how many times you've seen him? And if so, how many? Yeah, I have not necessarily counted as I've gone along. And I live in the area where I could have seen him hundreds of times. But I, as I look through over the years, it's about 65. Okay. A couple more, a couple less, but it's yeah. about in the mid 60s. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gone and explored my boss time. I have. Uh, yeah. I that's, have. The problem yeah. is I don't have my ticket stubs and I'm like, right. did I see four shows then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Five or three. It's, it's sure. a guess. All right, Paul, how about you? Same question. Yeah, it, it was funny, actually, because because I was thinking about what when we were talking about doing this, what it was that I loved about him. And and I always he, he's just this captivating storyteller, isn't he? He's just yes. he tells this great story. He has a unique way of expressing himself. And as Kim says, his shows are just ex- intoxicating. They're exhilarating. And I just love how he tells that story. And what I also love is that his songs never get old. They feel as fresh today as they did when I first heard them in 79. And you think about he's talked for years about his struggle with depression. And I find I find that in some way enhanced him. And it's it's prompted reflection in a way that maybe embarrassed him a little bit in his youth, but maybe he's grown and owned it as he's got older. And then you just think about his voice. And and I think all of this, all of this and the predominant themes in his early work, especially the themes of redemption and stuff like that, I think, which I loved, particularly say in something like Instant, which I know Kim loves massively, the whole rejection thing, but Spanish Johnny, Puerto, R- Puerto Rican Jane get Spanish Johnny. I love that. And the fact that the musicians are amazing. And I think all of that and everything and what happened to me ended up with me going to see him for the first time in, in June 81 in London, in Wembley. And like him, I had very little money and I couldn't afford couldn't afford much. What I did have was always going to spend money going to see concerts. And my first concert was was June 81 at Wembley Arena. And it's, it was interesting. I was listening to what Kim said, because the first song he ever played was Prove It All Night. And, and it was funny because I think it was that, and which I know again, Kim loves. And it was that it was that night that I think I really got Darkness for the first time because there were so many great songs that night because Darkness itself was on or whatever. But I, I seem to remember there was an Elvis cover relatively early on and then he played trapped listening to what kim said he played trapped and i love reggae i've always loved reggae and when i was young obviously loved marley but there was a lot of different artists i loved dennis brown Gregory isaacs peter tosh third world jimmy cliff and i'm like trapped comes on and i'm like turn around to my friend i said this is a jimmy cliff song for god's sake what's he doing covering a jimmy cliff song this is bizarre and i listened to it and i'm like never mind about jimmy cliff this is the version and to this day Trapped is still, still my favorite cover version of any song I've ever heard. I, I absolutely love it. And I'm, I've been actually disappointed despite the number of shows I've seen this tour that I haven't heard it live once. But yeah, that night, that night, Jesse was amazing because I think the concert ended with racing, Backstreets, Ramrod, Rosalie to Jungleland, Born to Run, Detroit, Medley. It was like one after another. It was like bang. And I'm like, 
oh my god i was just blown away so to then go on and finish answering the question you asked i i was actually for this podcast i tried to work out what i have seen because yeah. i can't remember yesterday let alone 40 odd years Absolutely. ago you know, it's, yes. it's a real yeah. struggle for me so i i think i believe that it's around 60 shows pretty sure it's 60 plus broadway i, I don't include broadway in that because that's another story that was a funny story for me but so i'd say 60 one what 61 with broadway i always i used to because of course the problem we have in the uk is he's not in the states so i always thought that if i had lived in the states i probably would have seen him a lot more by now but every concert and every tour i would always try and go to two or three or four and then there were certain tours that i went to a few more that worked that were quite extraordinary but yeah i think it's it's about 61 to include broadway so i i think we've got to ask the broadway story right I guess you know it, but I don't. So, Paul, you got to share the Broadway story. Okay, the Broadway story. So, I for work, I I often go to. I end up in the states. I'm over there quite a bit, and I go to New York quite often. And we love New York, my wife and my family. We've always loved it, and have gone quite often since I could afford to go more often than not. And but always going over for business. And every time I went over. For whatever reason, in the period that the show was on, I couldn't go. So I think I had something on with work that I just couldn't get out of, or he was having a holiday that week. I don't know, he broke a thumbnail or whatever it was. I couldn't go that night. It, it was, there was no chance. Anyway, it was in the days before, certainly in the UK, before your Netflix and anything like that had become prevalent. So we were still watching TV, as you would expect, with satellite TV and our satellite TV is Sky. Okay, Sky being owned by Murdoch, who owns Fox, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But Sky, the reason why you had Sky was so you can watch the sport because it was all sport. And then you had great films. And my great passion in life is music and film. So anyway, it just transpired. It was literally about two and a half weeks before the end of the first run, because he came back and did a second run, I believe, didn't he? For He did about 30, 40 shows. Yeah. It was about two and a half weeks before the second run. And as you may or may not know, and certainly Kim knows, my my great thing, the thing that I'd never heard, the song that I'd never heard in my life was Kitty's Back. I'd always wanted to hear Kitty and I'd never heard it. And in 16, I'd gone to three shows in Europe. I'd gone to Manchester, Barcelona and Wembley Stadium. And I was following the set. And if you recall, that I think towards the back end in the States, I think he did a lot of shows on the East Coast. And, and he was doing the same set pretty much every night in terms of the encores. And he was playing Kitty every night. So I said to my wife at the time, I said to Melissa, I said, I'm going to fly to Boston. I'm going to go and see Kitty. I'm going to do it. I'm going to literally fly in on the day, go and see the gig. I'm going to get two tickets. I'm going to get one in the pit. And when my back gives up in 10 seconds, I'm going to go and sit down somewhere back. And I'm going to go and hear Kitty finally. And then I, but I had to get back the next day because I had some meeting on that I had to be at. Anyway, as always, I didn't do it. Okay. Because I never put myself first and I, I just, no, I can't. Sure. Anyway, so. It comes on for whatever reason that night, Melissa decided to put Netflix on. And as we put it on, there was an advert which said Springsteen on Broadway finishes Saturday week. We're going to show it in 15 days, the, the exclusive for Springsteen on Broadway. And I turned around to Melissa and said, I've got to go. I said, I can't miss this. I said, I can't miss this. I have to go. So I phoned someone I knew in New York and I said, I don't care what you do, what it takes get me a ticket. I need to get a ticket. I had a load of things going on in New York at the time, work-wise. And so literally the penultimate Saturday, I think it was the 8th of December, 8th of December, I think it was. I flew into JFK 
Got there about midnight. As always, there was the usual shenanigans with customs. And I think I got out of JFK at five in the morning, got to my, got to my hotel. I had a meeting at eight o'clock. I had a meeting at 10 o'clock. I had a meeting at 12 o'clock. I had a meeting at two o'clock. I then went and had a sleep for half an hour. I then went and met friends for an early dinner who were big Bruce fans as well. Big Bruce fans met with them, their new little boy, and which was great. And then I went to the gig and I was second row. And I can't, it was the most incredible night. It was, I think the word I described, used to describe it was spiritual. I think it was cathartic. It was inspiring. I, I think I used the word biblical as well. And it was just the most incredible night. The fact that he was there, he was literally within 10 feet of me. You could hear him breathe. And he told the story that we know he tells. And it just blew my mind. And the fact was that if it hadn't have been for us turning on Netflix and we never turned it on, had I not seen that, I would never have gone. I would never have been able to see it because I had no idea it was closing. And to, to this day, it's right up there for me. It's right up there in terms of seeing him live. It was just yeah. a wonderful night. So that's my 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 Springsteen on Broadway story. Kim, did you get to be good? Did you make Broadway? I- I did. I did. I actually did not get the first round of tickets and I was really bent out of shape about that. I thought, how dare they not give me tickets? (laughs) But I was lucky. I know, but I was lucky enough to get the second drop and we went in January Mm -hmm. and it was bitter cold and I did not get on the rail to get an autograph, which was really a bummer. But I was not in the front row or two rows, Paul. Uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I did not hear him breathe. But yeah. I was I was in the audience and it was spiritual. And I think I cried the whole time. I really was quite emotional and loved every second of it. I just really loved every second of it and have watched it on Netflix at least three times. Yeah, I saw January 25th. Oh my gosh, I was there the 27th. Okay, I think, yeah. I think our date was the 27th. Yeah, I had I had posted, there was a little bit of brouhaha, like how dare people go more than once. Yeah. And I, I made the point, but the, the same people are complaining about that, getting to the pit multiple teams. Yeah. They don't worry about that. That's different, Jesse. No, it, yeah. but just, I said, I will not go. I know I'm not going to go and I have no jealousy whatsoever to anyone. If they can yeah, see yeah, it multiple yeah. times, go. Yeah. And so someone reached out and said, why aren't you going? I'm like, I can't get a ticket. He said, oh, I can get you a ticket. And I was like, you can? Yeah. How much? And it was the middle tier. So yeah. it was expensive. And so I went to my wife. And if you're married, you know this conversation. There are questions you ask your spouse that they have to say yes to. If my (laughs) sister says, hey, my sister Mary wants to come over and hang, is that okay? The answer is yes. Whether you feel like seeing Aunt Mary, which by the way, Aunt Mary, if you're listening to this, I'm always happy to see you. There are just certain questions as a spouse. If you want a happy marriage, you say yes. So I told her, you are not, you do not have to say yes to this because it's expensive. But I have a chance to go see Bruce. And so we sat down. We figured it out. She helped me arrange where I got a round trip ticket, pretty inexpensive to New York. She found me a hotel. 
which was one of those it looks it's like a hotel that's actually just like a cruise like a ship cabin it's this little bitty but it was enough and so i went and i always give linda full credit that she let me go that she did not have to yeah that's it amazing yeah so i do want to ask and i'll start with you kim and this is a safe space what is your take on the static set list brouhaha I had no problem with it personally. I thought that the show, now to validate my point, I only seen two of the shows personally. My two two Philly shows in August were postponed. So I saw Philly and State College in March, but I watched a lot of the footage of what was happening and I had actually no problems whatsoever for them performing a show that they mastered the songs they chose were phenomenal and I loved what I saw in person and what I saw on videos and what I saw live streamed if you didn't want to watch, you didn't have to watch. I know that a lot of people griped about it quite a bit. And I I appreciated their points too. I didn't necessarily comment on them, but I, if I see the same show again, I see the same show again. There's definitely part of me that would really like to see a few songs that are not in there. And remember those because I'm going to ask. That's one of my other questions. But but if I don't, every single time I see him, it's wonderful. And I think that even the people that didn't like the set list would still say that the show itself was great. I think they can still appreciate the show. And say that they're great performers performing the same show. But I didn't mind this static set yeah. list at all. How about you, Paul? Like I said, safe space. I was going to say, <laughs> I was like, do I want to get into this? It's interesting, Jesse, because I, I would say that some of the fans maybe have slightly short memories in a way. In that whilst I accept and love in particular the period 2007 to 16, so from the Magic Tour through to the River Tour, there was, there was, it was always extremely varied set lists, always. And there was lots of sign requests. And there were many times when the set lists were pretty much the same, but there was always the sign requests and everything and it became different. And I, so, for example, go back to the Tunnel of Love Tour in 88 because I love Tunnel of Love. And I went to see yeah. three gigs in quick succession in the UK and pretty much every night was exactly the same, say for one song. So I think we've always had this impression, haven't we, in our minds, that it's very varied. Um, And and I remember people were saying, because I, this was like, for me, this tour, I really wanted to go and see as many shows as I could. So I was exceptionally lucky that I could go and see as many as I did, which I think was uh, 15 in the end, a couple of counts, obviously at the end. So I pretty much knew every night as he opened with a particular song. I pretty much knew the entire set from that moment on. You you knew what was coming. And I remember people saying, why do you go so much? Why are you going? I'm sure it's going to be the same set every single night. And I was like, no, no, that's the great thing about Bruce. It's always different. Okay. Every night you get something different. So it it came as a a bit of a surprise to me, but at the end of the day, Jesse, it didn't stop my enjoyment. Every night was like three hours of Bruce heaven. 
and I work very long hours. And when I'm not when I'm not working, I'm sleeping, and I don't sleep for very long. So those three hours for me were my moments for me when sure. I could really enjoy what was going on. And like Kim says, I, I look. If you ask me about the set itself, the static nature of it and the songs that he's playing most of the time, you'd probably be looking at around 24 pretty much every single night that are the same. And yeah. of those 24, there's probably 10 songs that I love and 14 that I, because I don't mind any Bruce song, but yeah. that I could live without. So interestingly, I know you're a massive, I think you're a massive Mary's Place fan. And I like Mary's Place, but was never that bothered by it either way. Yeah. I've grown to love it, this tour. The one at Hyde Park when it was chucking it down with rain was hilarious because we were all singing rain and it was coming down. It was like it was chucking it down. But I've I I felt that the set itself was phenomenal. It was a real there's obviously things that are missing and things that you'd want to hear. And like Kim, I've got some songs that I want to hear still that I haven't. But it was pretty pretty okay, Pretty okay with me. So what? What I've shared is I don't understand being angry at him for not changing the set list. That yeah. is when I don't mind being disappointed and I don't mean I don't mind fans sharing that they aren't going to go to as many shows as before because mm-hmm. of that. But the anger that how dare Bruce not do this. He's old, he's senile. He's <laughs> it's become an oldie show. When you look at the set list you go if you just blindly gave you that set list and that was going to be a random night, you'd go, wow, yeah, he's really I got see. a diverse set list. Yeah. Um, the other point I bring is no one is going to agree with what he changed. You both talked about loving Trapped. To me, Trapped is just another cover song. I, it, <laughs> you know, it, it, he could just as easy do, you know, uh, Burn in Love. Which, by the way, I got to see him do Burning Love, and I loved it, right? It isn't anything to me. And I think because I did not have that. For example, to me, when I hear her version of Staying Alive, I go crazy because I graduated high school in 1977. Hmm. Saturday Night Fever was the thing. When I was live and he did Jump, I lost my blank because... (laughs) going to hear that in high school and right in college. So the emotional contact I get. Do let's I do want to ask. So are there songs you're chasing? And I say that with I think all of us have that. And by the way, did you ever get your kitties back? Or no, what was the one you're going to fly to? Yeah, 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 so you did yeah. get it this tour. So you're like, yeah. Uh, so so, so- yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, because I've got highlights of the tour for me, and as I said, I was fortunate to be at a number of things. So there's yeah. the different things about the tour that that have been great. Yeah. And I think I lost my father 32 years ago, and so the reason why Kitty's back is very special to me is that my father got ill. I know he was around 82, 83, and I spent about yeah. 10 years in hospitals with him before he died. And it was often a lot of bad news that we'd have and whatever. Yeah. I'd go home and I'd listen to my music. But the song that always made me feel good and made me feel happy was Kitty's Back. It was just yeah. it was just joyous. And what I love about it is that it really shows how good the band are. It really 
allows them to express themselves. And I think it's one of the reasons why he's wanted to play it on this tour so much in that it allows the band to express themselves. And they're such incredible musicians that that, that jam, and I mean, there's been a lot of joking about it, and I'm sure you've seen me joking about it as well, but for me, it was great. And I think my first concert this year was Barcelona. And Barcelona's always a great place to see. And they, I'm not going to say Spanish because you're in, when you're in Barcelona, you have to say Catalonia, but the Catalonians yeah. are Spanish. Whatever. They love, it's always great in, in Barcelona. It was at the Olympic Stadium. And I knew it was coming. I just, I've been watching the set list and it's, yeah. it's going to be there. But still, when it came on, the hairs in the back of my head and just, I actually, I shed a tear and I haven't, it's a long time since I have, probably since my dad passed away. And it just was exceptionally emotional for me. And my wife was, couldn't believe it. It was, it was just a, a real high for me. And there's been a lot of highs throughout the whole tour. But it was just a very special moment for me. But to answer your question, my white well, God, I suppose before Letter to You and before Priest became prevalent in my world, it would have been Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Got to really want to hear Valentine's Day, really want to hear Terry's song because I just, the whole story behind Terry's song, the fact that he wrote it the night before he died and the lyrics are just incredible. And I know one of one of Kim's favourite songs, Fever, I've never heard Fever live either. And I could list a, a whole load of songs sure. that I would love to hear. A lot of them off tracks, like Santa yeah. and Frankie and whatever. But I think it would be a toss-up between Priest and Valentine's Day. That's what I'd really like to hear. And I feel that Priest is coming at some stage. It's just a question of when. Whether Valentine's Day, whether he plays Valentine's Day, I don't know. There, there are other songs that I'd like to hear again that I haven't heard for a while, yeah. very much like Serenade and Incident and Meeting Across the River, which is another particular favourite of mine. But And Saints as well, Hard to Be a Saint, I love. But uh, I think my if I was the priest, I, I remember watching the film when it came out, because I, I don't know if it was the same in the States, but it came out, the night it came out in the UK, they showed it on Apple TV. Yes. And we went and watched it. And I remember watching the film, I was loving it and loving it. I was loving the songs and they were great. And I knew that three of the songs were old songs. Again, see, pre-73, because he wrote mm-hmm. it, I think it was in 71 or 72. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember he was talking to the band about, there's going to be a song we're going to play tomorrow. And these lyrics are just bizarre. They're just like, yeah. you won't understand. I've got no idea what I was talking about when I wrote it. It was like, whatever. And he started playing the song. And I just sat there and I listened to it and I turned it up really loudly. And the ending, everyone goes on about Stevie's um, uh, solo, which is amazing. But Max's drumming, the crescendo is extraordinary. And I listened to it and I turned around to this. I said, that's the best song I've heard in 20 years. Just, I just loved it. And I was, I've been desperate uh, other than Kitty to hear, to hear Priest. That was, that, that's for me, that Valentine's Day toss up. Those are the ones I want to hear. He played Houston February 14th, and Linda and I were there. And I thought, will we get Valentine's Day? Gosh, how can he not? It is actually Valentine's Day. How could he not do Valentine's Day? Then he did if I was the priest. So, so I, was, I was like, <laughs> okay. And then he played it in Austin when I was there two yeah. days later. Yeah, I've joked. <laughs> I, I am not going to complain about anything. I feel like I've hit the jackpot twice. Yeah. You really um, did. And I really thought that as well as it went over, he would include it more often. But uh, yeah, it was quite a treat. Yeah, that's great. Kim, how about you? My white whale? Mm -hmm. Same. (laughs) Priest and Valentine's Day are both two songs. I've been really fortunate to see 
almost every song that I've ever wanted to see, except for those two. There are a few others, especially on the more recent albums sure. that I haven't seen. I like none of us have seen anything from Western Stars Western live, Stars and I would love that. And yeah. you know, yeah. to see Moonlight Motel, and yeah. they're, they're my top two by far. Yeah. And I'd like to see Burn and Train live too. I think it would be a really cool live, you know. I was disappointed we didn't get that. And I had thought that, and I'm not going to second guess Bruce, because I love I'll See You In My Dreams. I had a similar thing. My my brother died February 13th this year. So Sorry. I got to see him the next, the day after he dies, Bruce doing I'll See You In My Dreams was pretty emotional. But I had thought he would pick three or four songs from the cover album and would rotate them the way he used to do Shout. Right. Yeah. Like that's what I would have guessed. That would have been that his encore. Yeah. I and I really I was disappointed we didn't get anything from Western Stars. But yeah, I get it. And I often tell people I tell people anytime they ask, where did you get the title for your podcast? And I go, it's that I said, you're following along on social media. He does a yeah. song you don't expect. And all of a sudden, instead of set listing, you're set lusting. Yeah. Damn, I wish I was I remember back in the what was it? The Wrecking Ball tour. We yeah. got that term when we were following along. Yeah. And yeah, when we all started this, this Bruce stuff in, I don't know, back in 2009-ish for yeah. me, but the yeah. Wrecking Ball tour really started our fandom. Right. Um, I'm going to ask you both the Mary question. Before that, I got to give you a chance. Do you guys want to do some shout outs to some of the crew? And I'm doing this deliberately so that they will listen. I'm trying to get my downloads up. Sure. From For our friends yes. that are out there, we have our group of friends that are hopefully going to listen. And Paul, help me to remember everybody. And if we forget someone, I did not tell them in advance we were going to do this. So let's please, <laughs> so, let's give yeah. grace. If you're, It doesn't mean you're, we don't love you if we forget your name. Brian and Liz, they've done your, and Steffi, they've done your podcast. We also have Kim and Cindy and Joe. Who else do we have, Paul? Wendy and Paul and me. Okay. Who else? Yeah, and of course, Ruth, uh, who's also part of our group, Jesse. Yeah, we can't leave off Ruth. I love her. So, so do I. She's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's been on the podcast a couple of times. So um, as you mentioned, a couple others have. So yeah, no problem. That's all in a circle. And then okay. there's in a circle. But a shout out to my sister, who is my Bruce Bud, and my brother, who was my original Bruce Bud, too. So it's an open invite for you to join me solo if ever, Kim. Or if you want to give your siblings, and we'll do a sibling episode. That'd be okay. wonderful. That would be fun. And the same thing you, Paul. I, you're welcome anytime solo. Though I do think it's special, you two together. I'm glad you suggested that. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about the tour and what's been important about the tour. And I think one of the 
one of the, the the things for me the highlights have been about friendship and companionship because for me I always went to always went to the shows and I was always with friends or people and you always met people and everyone was great I was laughing earlier because there was the one exception this year at Villa Park there was a really obnoxious person there and I'll leave it at that but uh, it was a, it was very funny but uh, looking back at yeah. it now at the time it wasn't uh, everyone's very friendly and I, I've had a couple of experiences of this tour where for the first time ever deliberately once I went to one of the gigs on my own and the other time I didn't deliberately it was just someone pulled out last minute and I just met people a couple of guys and a couple of people and it was just amazing it spent great nights and I think it's been about companionship and friendship and a lot of that has meant a lot to me because it's the first time I've experienced it I had friends in the UK that love Springsteen we spoke about it but not the way it is amongst the people that I've discovered here and it's just been I think it's been quite cathartic and it's helped the enjoyment of the of the whole experience of the tour and i think pound for pound the day we all spent in asbury park together that whole weekend metlife three was extraordinary it was sure. an extraordinary night if you want to talk about static setlist there were six songs that night that i hadn't heard at all the whole tour it was unbelievable you know and then when you that. find out he was playing injured to talk to use sports terms to bring it back right he was yep. playing injured you're like oh my goodness yeah completely yeah. it was metlife three was an extraordinary night and what was great was that kim Unfortunately, couldn't make it. So she joined me and listened together with me and Melissa to Dancing in the Dark, the intro, 10th Avenue, and I believe one of her favourite songs again, Jersey Girl. And it was a great final 20 minutes, which we shared together. It was just lovely. Oh, I love that story. I love that story. Any final thoughts, Kim, before we get to the Mary question? No, I really had fun. Thanks for having us. I'm glad. How about you, Paul? Any, you, some, they're good. All right. If you have never seen, listened to a Set Less and Grease episode before, thank you for checking out because Paul and Kim are here. They are fabulous. I want to have them both back on. But I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong from the Philadelphia area was a high school teacher. He is now retired. He is writing. And, but when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road, and they would read them as if it was a poem discussing the imagery that Bruce uses, the themes Bruce explores, and then he would ask his class at the end of the day, does Mary get in the car? So Kim, I'm going to start with you. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Absolutely. (laughs) Mary has no choice but to get in the car. Absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind that she is in the car and pulling out of here to win. She's gone. Very nice. Paul? I think these are two kids that would be better off anywhere else but here. So I think, yeah, I think Mary definitely gets in the car because it's a town full of losers and they're pulling out of here to win. I think the more important question is whether she sticks around afterwards. And I think the answer answer to that is a, a big no. I suspect that the romance doesn't work. And I think I think it plays quite nicely into the whole tour thing, actually, from the Mary question. I think that's because because I know you asked this question. I was thinking more about that. I quite like Brian, our friend Brian's answer, because that she doesn't exist. I love that. Yeah, that um, is a great answer. Yeah. But no I, think, I, I love that. But I think it's the narrative of the 23 tour. Because I remember when he was on Broadway, he was discussing the song that there's nothing like a moment in your life of being young and leaving someplace. Yeah. And that was when he was talking about the blank page and all your life is laying before you like a blank page. And it's the thing he's missed about getting older. He misses 
that beauty and there's so much life in front of you when you're young and the promise and the possibilities he said and I think personally the tour for Bruce is about getting older it's about loss defying death living life to the full being with his friends on stage enjoying it loving it and and trying for him not the, the lament of lost youth it's the joy of long-standing friendships and I think that he believes, I believe, that he believes that despite all of everything, that there is still a blank page and there's still life to be lived and roll on the 24 tour. That's what I say, roll on. And I think that was interesting in terms of Mary. But yep, she gets in, she goes off, and it's over in about two minutes. Somebody else said that years ago. They said, yes, she gets in, but when he stops to buy a pack of cigarettes, she goes, what the hell am I doing? And gets out of the car. <laughs> My, this most sentimental one is that, yes, she gets to the car. They move to California. And Moonlight Motel is him mourning her loss. Oh, so, that's sad. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's the most romantic one. All right. Paul, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Paul Apps 0505 on Twitter. All right. Kim? I'm a boss fan on Twitter. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And so I know it's morning for Kim, afternoon for Paul. Thank you both. This was a blast. I, I can't wait to have you both us. on. Oh, no. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it, Jesse. All right, listeners, go follow them on Twitter. You will be, you will smile. They are a great group of people. You will get some fun videos and there'll be a lot of great Bruce talk. For now, be safe. Be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.